So um, last week we started our first week of Advent. Uh, we spoke about hope. For all of you who don't know, we've got some cool banners at the back, so we've got hope. This week we're going to be talking about peace. Um, also, if you haven't watched Hope yet, you can watch it back on YouTube and other various links online. Um, and the Goulds brought that message. So it was a really good message. I really advise you to go watch it. Um, and so, yeah, so this week, peace. I think peace is a really interesting topic, uh, especially this year in a time of just crazy year, um, lots of destruction and pain and stuff. And just to talk about peace is a really interesting topic. I think it's something that's really important that we need to speak about this week. Um, and so when peace comes to mind, I want to know what you guys think about peace. So I want to just tick it through your minds. We're going to have a mic run around soon um, in a second. Scott will run around, so put your hand up if you um, have a little something to say about peace. Uh, just a couple of sentences, not a massive theology topic, just like two sentences, 20 words, something like that, just really short, all right? Um, and so we've been speaking about this in Yads, and so it was really cool to talk about it through Yads over the last couple of weeks, so I want to know what you guys think about it. So over to people in the crowd. Um, I would say free of worry. Free of worry? Yep. Awesome. Anybody else? It's not, brave it's not takers? a test. It's, it's just, not a test. It's no. just out there. You can just speak your mind. I don't know, lying, you know, on the beach next to the water. I think that's pretty peaceful. <laughs> Definitely. So lying on the that's beach. K that's Kirk and Nick probably right now. Yeah. <laughs> Anybody else? Yep. Um, just calm in the chaos. Yeah, so calmness, freedom, yeah. Anybody else? All right. Um, to be still in God and acknowledging it's his peace and have that focus on him and not the surrounding circumstances around us. Yeah, awesome. Any other takers or is that it? No one said no, no war. No yeah, war. Which we thought might come up. Yep. Like that was a definition. No war. Definition of peace is actually like no war, no conflict. So, um, yeah. So collectively, we've got this vision of and definition of what peace is as a church um, for the world. Now, peace in Hebrew is actually translated to a word shalom. Now, shalom is a really fun word to not just say, but it also has a really cool definition and meaning. You can say the word shalom if you want. Anybody want to have a go? Just shalom. All right. It's a really interesting word. Um, and so when we find out about the meaning, mixing in with the Bible, it has a really cool whole understanding. And so now we've got a video that we want to play for you guys. Uh, it does speak really, really fast. And there's a lot of information packed into this. So if you've got a notepad, pen, phone, note, something, watch it. Take a few notes because it's a really cool video. Thanks. The word peace is common in most languages. People can talk about peace treaties or times of peace. It means the absence of war. And in the Bible, the word peace can refer to the absence of conflict, but it also points to the presence of something better in its place. In the Old Testament, the Hebrew word for peace is shalom. And in the New Testament, the Greek word is erene. The most basic meaning of shalom is complete or whole. The word can refer to a stone that has a perfect whole shape with no cracks. 
It can also refer to a completed stone wall that has no gaps and no missing bricks. Shalom refers to something that's complex with lots of pieces that's in a state of completeness, wholeness. It's like Job who says his tents are in a state of shalom because he counted his flock and no animals are missing. This is why shalom can refer to a person's well-being. Like when David visited his brothers on the battlefield, he asked about their shalom. The core idea is that life is complex, full of moving parts and relationships and situations. And when any of these is out of alignment or missing, your shalom breaks down. Life is no longer whole. It needs to be restored. In fact, that's the basic meaning of shalom when you use it as a verb. To bring shalom literally means to make complete or restore. So Solomon brings shalom to the unfinished temple when he completes it. Or if your animal accidentally damages your neighbor's field, you shalom them by giving them a complete repayment for their loss. You take what's missing and you restore it to wholeness. The same goes for human relationships. In the book of Proverbs, to reconcile and heal a broken relationship is to bring shalom. And when rival kingdoms make shalom in the Bible, it doesn't just mean they stop fighting. It also means they start working together for each other's benefit. This state of shalom is what Israel's kings were supposed to cultivate, and it rarely happened. So the prophet Isaiah, he looked forward to a future king, a prince of shalom. And his reign would bring shalom with no end. A time when God would make a covenant of shalom with his people and make right all wrongs and heal all that's been broken. This is why Jesus' birth in the New Testament was announced as the arrival of Irene. Remember, that's the Greek word for peace. Jesus came to offer his peace to others. Like when he said to his followers, my peace I give to you all. The apostles claimed that Jesus made peace between messed up humans and God when he died and rose from the dead. The idea is that he restored to wholeness the broken relationship between humans and their creator. This is why the apostle Paul can say Jesus himself is our Irene. He was the whole complete human that I am made to be but have failed to be. And now he gives me his life as a gift. And this means that Jesus' followers are now called to create peace. Paul instructed local churches to keep their unity through the bond of peace, which requires humility and patience and bearing with others in love. Becoming people of peace means participating in the life of Jesus, who reconciled all things in heaven on earth, restoring peace through his death and resurrection. So peace takes a lot of work because it's not just the absence of conflict. True peace requires taking what's broken and restoring it to wholeness, whether it's in our lives, our relationships, or in our world. And that's the rich biblical concept of peace. All right. Well, that was a pretty cool video, don't you think? Uh, if you want to see more of that sort of stuff, you can look up The Bible Project on YouTube. And you can probably find the same video if you do want to watch it again. Uh, so my name is Bo, for those of you who don't know me. Uh, and I'm going to talk to you about uh, how we interpreted that video as the young adults. Uh, so when we first watched it, we also spoke amongst ourselves beforehand about what we thought peace meant to us and also to the world. And things that often came up was like peace as the absence of war, which is probably how most of the world thinks of peace as an idea. Uh, but we also spoke about peace within ourselves as it being you know, amongst the chaos and all of that, that we ourselves can still remain calm and knowing that things will be okay. Uh, but then when we watched the video, some things really stood out to us, such as the fact that peace 
in a context of war, uh, from the word shalom, actually involves uh, countries working together in that time of peace. Rather than just agreeing not to fight each other, there's an extra layer to it of, we'll actually be friends and help each other. Uh, and in that concept of personal peace, there's like this extra layer of completeness to life where you know, things are certainly chaotic, but peace is not just there's a calm in the center of the storm, but that there is some greater order in the entire storm itself uh, that gives us hope in the entire situation. Uh, and so I just want to tell you all a couple of things about my personal experience of peace uh, to give you an idea of what peace is like. Uh, so I would say that out of all of the spiritual gifts, uh, peace is probably the one that comes most naturally to me. Uh, if I'm ever praying for someone out the front here and there's a situation where I can uh, pray for peace over someone's life, uh, I'm absolutely going to impart some of that. Uh, and I mean, I can just testify so easily that in all the times of chaos in my life, uh, I've just been able to somehow always be peaceful about it. Like, I'm never super stressed. I mean, sometimes you do get stressed or angry about something, but deep down in me, there's always this sense of peace. And it means that my life has been pretty uneventful as far as bad things go. Because even when things are bad, I tend to not see it that way, because God's peace is always uh, making everything sugar-coated in a weird way. <laughs> Uh, there's also another kind of peace that I feel is kind of important, and that's a peace with other people. Now, I remember vividly this scenario from when I was in grade one in primary school, uh, and I, being a nice little church-going boy, knew that Jesus loves everyone, so I should love everyone too. And I remember telling someone uh, in the playground uh, that I love everybody, <laughs> and this person was like, even criminals? And I was like, well, yes, because that's everyone. <laughs> uh, and it sort of struck me how uh, some people wouldn't love everyone. Because for me, being uh, a Christian grown-up boy, uh, that was, I guess, a new idea to me. Uh, but I find in my general day-to-day -day life uh, that forgiveness is a really big part of uh, peace with other people. Because a conflict uh, between two people uh, kind of needs both people to engage in that. Uh, a one-way conflict can only last so long. <laughs> uh, if, if you don't retaliate in, in an argument, uh, that argument can only go so far. So I would encourage you, if you're trying to find peace, uh, that forgiving other people is a really big part of that. Uh, and sometimes it can be really, really difficult to forgive people. Uh, but Jesus was the ultimate sign of forgiveness, both in the sense that God was forgiving us for all of our sins, uh, but also the way that Jesus forgave other people was a message to all of us as to how we should forgive other people too. Uh, and Jesus is a, a very special hero in terms of history because his enemy is not any person. It's a spiritual enemy, and we should all strive to be the same, where we don't have any, <laughs> any people who are enemies. Uh, we should try to be friends with everybody.
so uh, I would like to invite Scott up because he also has some things that he would like to say about peace. Uh, also, one thing that I did want to say Go for it. is that if you ever feel like you need peace and you can't find it, uh, you shouldn't fret too much because peace is a spiritual gift, which means you can ask God for it and chances are he will give peace to you. That's an important one. Very cool. Am I? I'm a, yep, I'm there. So, yeah. Go for it. So, Scott, we were doing some exercises as yep. the young adults. Uh, what exactly were we doing in the past couple of weeks in our day-to-day? -day? Yeah, we, uh, we chose to look at peace through the Scripture. If you want to write this one down, I'd really encourage you to. Uh, and I don't want to preach on it. I'm not sure if Tashi's going there or are you going, we're all good? No, I'm not preaching on it. I'm just making just. Setting the foundations can be cool. Um, Philippians 4, verses 4 to 9. And I want to really encourage you to read it both in the NIV and the message version. Very cool translation in the message. Um, in the message, um, when Paul is speaking, the, uh, they actually translate the word peace that's in that scripture to wholeness. He actually uses in the message version the word wholeness, that we would be invited into God's wholeness. And how would we do that? And he talks, Paul talks about through praise and petition, through prayer and petition. And then he goes on, you may know in the Philippians passage, to talk about whatever's true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever, you know, that, that and, and so on. And so we've been um, in the last couple of weeks just actually taking one of those each day and choosing at the start of that day to say, I'm going to focus on that because as I do, the promise in Scripture is I'll be welcomed into God's wholeness and worry will be pushed aside. And my testimony through the exercises we were doing as both just talk about, I've, I, I, as it would happen, you know how things go. You start to focus on the Lord and then just, well, the enemy doesn't like it. He doesn't want you closer to God. And so at work, I've had a horrible couple of weeks, <laughs> just horrible couple of weeks, lots of people stuff going on, which we won't go into details about. But um, it would be right, right, that you start to say, yeah, let's focus on peace. And right as you do, your daily life just goes pear-shaped. And so that's been a, 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 the fact that we've been looking at this and focusing on the Lord to say we want that peace and then uh, focusing on one true, noble, right, whatever is holy, all those kind of things has ju just flipped my situation. It's been really stressful and yet I've felt whole. I felt like God is there with me and all is going to be okay. That sense of wholeness, completeness or peace has been uh, over me. And I just, I think my testimony, Bo, is that through the last few weeks, um, last week we heard that Jesus was born into chaos. He came in a manger with all the smells and yuckiness. It wasn't pretty and stuff. But he also came into a time in history where a nation, God's people, were conquered by another one. It was just a hor horrific time in humanity. And yet Jesus, the Prince of Peace, came into that chaos. And so I guess my testimony is, is that through prayer and petition and focusing and, and welcoming peace into our life, that sense of completeness and wholeness that Jesus offers, we actually can, um, in the chaos, be welcomed into God's story in the midst of all of that.
So cool. Well, that was was I short enough? Did I was go? Su- was I good? You go. It was All supposed right, to good. be an interview style thing, but you answered every question I oh, would have asked in one big game. I ran ahead. So, but that's not a problem. Thanks, Scott. You're welcome, that. though. Uh, now, I'm actually going invite, to invite Natasha up to make sense of everything we've just said and wrap it all up for us. All right, thank you very much, Scott and Bo, and obviously Mim and Jess and Jake, incredible work. Um, so yes, we are the young adults group here. There's a few more of us, but you know, it was a Saturday night last night, so we couldn't get the whole crew here, unfortunately. Um, it was a big night, apparently. <laughs> um, so uh, we've talked a little bit today about peace and what it means to the world and what it means to us um, in finding our identity of peace in Christ. So everyone wants peace, or at least most people do, and we talk about peace a lot, and you know, our governments and our world leaders are always talking about peace. Um, but ironically, sometimes we wage wars to protect peace or the peace that we perceive that we have somewhere. You know, how often do we say, like, oh, I just need a few moments of peace and quiet, just leave me alone, let me find some peace. And we all know that Peace, if we find it, often doesn't last that long when we're thinking about it in the earthly sense. You know, if it's, you might be your parents or your children, you're thinking, like, just give me a few moments of peace, and then inevitably, a few moments later, they're back doing whatever they were doing again, which is fantastic, and that's what we expect. But it, the whole thing is that this earthly, worldly peace is a temporary thing. You know, when nations declare peace with one another, We know historically it doesn't always last. It doesn't always make the distance. You know, as soon as one nation's at peace, then another one's waging war. As soon as we find peace on the beach in a relaxing place, we know we have to return to work the next week and our peace, supposedly, is over. So, if this is what we understand peace to be, then it doesn't really seem like we either get it for very long if we find it at all, and it seems like an odd thing to be bringing up in Advent, in what's one of the happiest seasons of the year. But, as with the Gospel, there is good news to be heard. So, as we've sort of briefly mentioned, um, in Isaiah uh, chapter 9, verse 6, Jesus is prophesied to be the Prince of Peace, or using our Hebrew, the Prince of Shalom, or Sar Shalom. And so this promised peace, or this Shalom, as summarized, as Scott so brilliantly said in Philippians 4, and in the message version it says, don't fret or worry, instead pray. Let God know your concerns, and then before you know it, a sense of God's wholeness, so not our earthly peace, but God's wholeness, will come together for good in your heart. It will settle you down, and it's wonderful to see what happens when Christ displaces worry at the center of your life, which just sounds incredible. (laughs) So God actually offers us this sense of peace or this sense of wholeness in the chaos, But the good thing is that unlike the world's peace, which is this temporal changing thing that we can't be guaranteed of for very long, God's peace is eternal and it's unchanging. It's not circumstantial like in the world. It's not dependent on what someone else chooses to do or how long they choose to keep the peace for. So it's just incredible that this biblical peace, this shalom or irene, I think they say in Greek, um, is this completeness or this wholeness with God. And so it's about more than just that inner quietness or the lack of conflict, but it's actually the repair of our brokenness with God to something that's whole and complete and our identity found in him. 
So Jesus being the Prince of Shalom, or the Prince of Shalom with no end, the arrival of Irene. Now, this is pretty cool because it's also Jesus himself says this to us. So in John 14, verse 27, Jesus says to his disciples at the Last Supper, he says, my peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives. Do not let your hearts be troubled and do not be afraid. So how incredible that Jesus, you know, in his final moments with his disciples, he chooses to sort of identify and make available to them that, look, the world and the peace that it's offering to you is not what I'm giving to you. My peace is different. My peace is complete. My peace is eternal. And that's what I'm leaving with you. And that's what I'm giving to you. And that's exactly what he did through his death and resurrection on the cross. So how blessed are we that the peace that Christ offers us is not the peace that the world is offering us, but instead it's something that brings us into wholeness and brings us into completeness and wholeness of our souls. So that even in the midst of worldly chaos or even in the midst of worldly peace, we actually have this eternal godly peace. So... The peace that Jesus brings, it's not skin deep. It's not something about the absence of blows coming against you or the absence of wars, metaphorically or technically speaking, waging around you. It's something that's soul deep. It is a completeness and a wholeness of your soul found through Jesus, being reconciled to the Father in that wholeness of God. It's Jesus taking on our brokenness that we have in the world and him being broken for us to be made whole. And this was also prophesied in Isaiah. So he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our inequities. And upon him was the chastisement or punishment that brought us peace. With his wounds, we are healed. We are made whole. So to finish this, our second Sunday of Advent, our day of peace, um, I would love for us all to join together in communion.